Welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. My name is Marianne Metz, and I'll be your host. As a female navigating the challenges that rise with leadership, I wanted to start a conversation with you as a woman in the workforce myself and offer a resource for leadership excellence. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascension Transformation Solutions, your business transformation technology partner. As you tune in to listen, you'll meet Debbie Collard and Susan Ireland, our leadership experts who will be answering questions to offer you exclusive insights to help you thrive in your career. Stick around. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I hope everyone is having a great day so far. But before we get started, please help us out by rating and reviewing the podcast. We love to read your comments. And if you like today's conversation, take a screenshot of this episode and tag one of us on Instagram story or Facebook story. You can tag myself at Marianne G. Metz or Seasons on Instagram at Seasons underscore leadership so we can hear your feedback. Now, I want to welcome Debbie and Susan back, our co-founders and leadership experts from the Seasons Leadership Program. Thanks so much for being here, ladies. Thanks for having us, Marianne. Thank you. It's good to see you. You as well. And today we have special guest stars, Stephen Rayner and Bill Belgard. Stephen Rayner is a co-founder and chief transformation officer at Ascension Transformation Solutions, where he leads authorities in the area of high-performance work systems, corporate transformation, leadership development, and culture change. Bill Belgard is a co-founder and chief strategy officer of Ascension Transformation Solutions as well, providing his clients with transformations and corporate transformational growth strategies. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Marianne. Today, we're gonna be talking about transformations. What does the process look like? How does it work? And where does teamwork come into play from a leadership perspective? All of these questions will be answered by the end of today's show. Debbie, I know you had experience with transformations in your career and what it looks like from a leader perspective. Can you start us off by talking about your most impactful experience with transformation and how it benefited your career? Yes, absolutely. Um, I have been through a few transformations and I can say one thing in common with all transformations, they're no fun when you're in the middle of them. And especially if you feel like you're in a place where you don't have any control over the outcome of the transformation. But the one that was most impactful for my career actually had a really good, happy ending, nice, nice transformation story. And let me set the stage for what was going on. So the organization I was in, which was a fairly large organization, about 10,000 people, was in a crisis. And this crisis meant that we were in trouble with our people in the organization, trouble with our suppliers, trouble with our customers, definitely. And we just couldn't seem to get out of our own way and do anything right. So I think in my experience, the first thing that's required for a transformation is that you be in some sort of crisis. And if you're not in one, you have to invent one. But in this case, we didn't have to invent one. It was there. And in the organization, it was like we were all running around trying to do good things, but we weren't aligned. There was no alignment. There was no integration of purpose 
in the organization. So people just came to work and did what they thought they were supposed to be doing, but it, it didn't really have a combined sense of purpose or a shared destiny. And it felt bad. It just felt really bad. So this organization was about to go out of business. We were going to have 10,000 people out of jobs instead of working together in this organization. And the leadership got together and took charge. And they started pulling on um, a lot of smart people inside and outside the organization to help with this and help to find the direction. The transformation occurred over a period of time, but I would say the, the pivot point for us in the transformation was when everybody had a shared destiny. Everybody was aligned to the purpose of not only are we going to not go out of business, we are going to show them, whoever them was, but that was our nemesis, right? And then them that we can do this and we can do this well and we can be in business for the long haul. So once everyone got aligned and working towards the same overall objective, started working together instead of at cross purposes, and they knew how they fit in, every person in the organization knew how they fit in and how what they were doing contributed to the overall success of the organization, then the, the corner turned and it started being fun to come to work and it started being energizing and we loved working together. Having gone through that experience, and I'm really interested to hear how Steve and Bill talk about uh, transformation and the process and all those questions you said we're going to answer, because um, in my experience on this process, it, now looking back on it many years later, it's like we described that as Camelot. That was Camelot for us. But if you had asked us when we were in the front end of it, there's no way. I think there would have been a very different description of what we thought the organization was. But it ended up being a good news story. It didn't go out of business, the organization. It stayed in business and, and fulfilled its purpose and vision statement. So I'm, I'm so glad that I was part of that. You also asked what impact it had on my career. The impact on my career was I, for whatever reason, was chosen to be one of the people to help lead this organization through the transformation. Now, I wasn't one of the senior leaders of the organization, don't get me wrong, but I had a pivotal role in my responsibilities as part of the transformation. And that did so much for me. Throughout my career, people would look back at that and say, well, you did that. This should be a piece of cake. And they would give me assignments based on what we had accomplished as a team during that transformation. So it had an impact that I, I couldn't have foreseen at the time when we were going through it. Um, but I'm so lucky to have had that experience of the transformation. That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing. Susan, why do you think learning about transformation is important to our leaders listening? Well, I don't know if you feel it, but I think the world is in a transformation right now in so many different ways. And what transformation means to me is that it's a new way of thinking and a new way of doing things. It, it's just different. The old ways just don't work anymore. So 
uh, I think it's relevant to everybody now is to think how are we going to move forward in this new world that, you know, that is, is all around us. So I'm excited to hear um, from Bill and Steve and find out, you know, what, how they look at this. We want to get more people exposed on how to handle change and equip them as stronger leaders who can adapt more quickly to things changing, just like you said, because we're all in a period of transformation. Steve, can you talk about the transformation process at Ascension, which can help our listeners understand what they have to do to get to where they hope to be? Yeah, absolutely. Let, let me begin by kind of giving us a, a definition of uh, transformation and you know, Susan talked about, you know, it's a new way of thinking and doing things. I think fundamentally that's what happens, you know, during a transformation. You look at things differently, you do things differently. But to kind of give you a business definition of it, a transformation is really about changing strategy, changing processes and systems, and changing the culture. If you have those three components, you're actually engaged in some kind of a transformation of your organization. So it's about changing your strategic direction. It's about changing your processes and systems and organization. And it's about uh, doing all that while you're also changing your culture. So if you have those three components, you're engaged in some kind of a transformation. It's funny, Bill and I years ago, were at a conference uh, that um, Ralph Kilman, those, those of you that uh, may know uh, Ralph, uh, was holding um, in Pennsylvania. And the purpose of the of the whole conference was to try to uh, articulate what does transformational change mean. And this is back in the 1980s. And the word transformation was just becoming sort of part of the vocabulary for change management within change management. And the conclusion of that conference was, uh, we don't really have a good definition. It just means really big change. So that's another thing to, you know, to think about. This we're talking about big change in organizations, significant change. We're trying to do something very, very different than we've done it before. In terms of the you know, process that we uh, believe um, is fundamental, it begins really at its centerpiece with leadership. So there has to be a leader who's willing to put his or her career on the line to actually see this change through and to be a, a key part of it. And that includes the entire executive team when we talk about leadership. So ideally you're talking about the top leaders at organization, having some control over the variable pieces of it, that are committed to a significant large-scale uh, change. And they need to recognize that part of their role, but based on our definition, is not only changing processes, but also actually looking at their culture itself and how that may be contributing to the problem that they face. Once the leadership you know, is in, in place, and, and the, the thing that's very helpful is to have an outside perspective on what some of the issues are that are hurting them or preventing them, from achieving the goal or objective that they have set forth. Um, in a recent client, and give you the example of some goals or objectives that you might see in a transformation. One of the clients we recently worked with, the goal was sustained profitable growth. The company had not grown for two uh, years and they were looking to figure out a way to achieve that sustained profitable growth. Well, they had some ideas about some of the issues that may be contributing it to it, but our process begins really around getting clarity around that. So what are the specific things that we think are hindering or helping us from achieving our goals and objectives and really understanding those? Once those are understood, the next step is really to develop a vision of a possible future. And we have a very um, specific definition of vision that we use. And it's 
really got three key components. The first component is that the vision must define a specific point in the future. And the second piece of it is it must be a systemic view. So we're not just talking about the goals that we hope to achieve. We're talking about the impact this is going to have on people, the impact it's going to have on systems, what those are going to look like at that specific point in the future. And then the third element is that we write the vision as if the future has already occurred, as if we're looking backward and seeing the organization in this new future state. So it becomes a kind of affirmation for what we're going after. So if you kind of think about this, you have a group of people now engaged in this change that are sort of your key opinion leaders within the organization, and they're defining a specific point in the future, what they want to see achieved. And they get to play with the future in a sense. They get to challenge their assumptions, challenge their ideas, begin to think about things differently, new possibilities. And they're doing it in a way that is opening their thinking about not only their individual roles, but the role of their people will play, how teams will be a part of the future, how systems and processes will change. And they're able to articulate and play with that until they decide this is where we want to go. And we got agreement on it and we're heading that direction. And then um, the next stage is really how we begin to think about communicating that. And then the development that's required to make this all happen, including the development of teams, the development of uh, new leaders in the organization, uh, the development and capabilities of our technology that may be required. So that's really the development phase. So as we go around this uh, circle with the centerpiece being leadership, we've got clarity, vision, then we've got communication and then development kind of filling out our, our model of how we approach and think about change. Now, as a transformation expert, what would you say is unique about your process that creates a chain reaction within an organization to embrace this type of transformation? Uh, there's, uh, there's several things that I think that are unique. Um, one, is, um, one is that that a lot of transformations, as Debbie said, are really born out of this idea that we have to have a burning platform. We have to have a major issue or problem that we're trying to address in order to uh, fix, uh, you know, get the, get the motivation, the ability to fix the organization. We found that the power of the vision is such that even an organization that's performing well, but sees that they're going to need to make adjustments or changes into their future, uh, they can go under a large scale change too, but it's born out of vision as opposed to uh, the sort of burning platform idea that we've got to change or we're going to be out of business. So the vision is a really key component. And the way that we think about vision um, is, is uh, kind of unique too. We, we don't talk about it in terms of like a vision uh, statement, uh, anything. Uh, it's, it's not a short piece. It's typically anywhere from 700 to 1200 words in length. So we're really trying to develop a comprehensive view uh, of the future. And I think another key thing is that we engage people at a very early level in the process um, of key leaders in the organization, key opinion leaders, and get them all aligned to this vision. Because as Debbie said, the alignment is so critical. If you don't have that alignment, everybody going the same direction and seeing the same possibilities, uh, you begin to uh, lose the momentum and you don't, you have energy going off in different directions. And the last thing I want to say is one of the things that's extraordinary about transformation when you sort of sit back and look at it is that a lot of things that you um, set up in the beginning and kind of talk about in terms of what you want to achieve in the, in the vision, when you get people really engaged, there's hundreds of new things that come up 
that you can't even imagine that people are going off and doing in the context of what they believe the change is that will help the organization. And so you get all this energy happening in very creative and innovative ways and things that you could not possibly even have planned begin to happen. It reminds me a bit of uh, what Steve Jobs one time said about the Apple computer, the thing that blew him away and he most found most fascinating was the number of applications that were created for that platform, things that he never imagined in terms of software applications. And it's much the same way in a transformation. You sort of set up the process, you get the energy flowing and the alignment happening, and people find all kinds of ways to begin to have a positive impact on the organization, things that could have never been planned or even imagined uh, early on. Bill, what are your thoughts on transformation? And have you found this unique process is only successful within a specific industry or a size company? No, I, I, to answer the second part of that first is uh, we've seen transformational change in just about every sort of uh, organization there is. One, one time a, a, uh, a woman uh, called me from Florida and says, uh, I got certified in your product when I was with uh, uh, when I was with Quaker Oats, and uh, now I'm working down in Florida, and I want to start a women's hockey league in Florida. And I don't have any money, but uh, we'd like to know if we could use your product to uh, to start a uh, to start this league, and uh, because I want to get everybody organized and all that stuff. So I said, "Yes, you absolutely can." Uh, we used to say yes to anybody that was you know for a non uh, a non uh, um, uh, not for profit, but the, uh, I said, but you got to tell us what you did, what you do, how it works out. Because if you can use this to start a women's hockey league in Florida, then we want to be able to tell that story. So she did. And they started a women's hockey league in Florida. They, they got free ice time at, you know, two o'clock in the morning from the local rink and, and things like that. Pretty soon they, they had a league they had a women's hockey league in central Florida. And so, uh, so yeah, you can, you can, you can use it to, to, to do about, to do about anything. In light of this, how does all this translate to leadership and become a team-based effort within the organization? Or in other words, what is the role of a leader to execute the transformation effort, Bill? When, when we talk about it now, after all these years, sometimes it can sound really complicated. So if you're in an organization, you don't really know, have to know what to do, but um, here, here's an easy way uh, to tell you, you, ha you can, if you only know what you can't do, then you, then you can tell. And, and if you look at the size of the challenge and the strategy that the organization has, like Debbie said, how much trouble they're in. And uh, if you say, uh, we, there's no way we're going to be able to change this doing things the way we're doing it now. We're just going to, just going to keep getting digging ourselves in a deeper hole. You just know it. There's just no way we keep doing this and there's no way it's getting better. A wise man that, uh, uh, that we all know uh, once said that you feel in that instance like you're a cork tied to the bottom of the ocean. And uh, when somebody comes along, then somebody comes along and cuts the cork and you pop to the top. And uh, when, you're, when you're in that cork tied to the bottom of the ocean, you know whatever you're doing, it, it's not going to work. Well, then that's the time to seek help. One of the things we like to do is, is coach and encourage uh, internal folks in terms of transformation. So we 
we talk to them and encourage them all the time that to, who seek that kind of help. But it would, and then you could start down the path of uh, what do we want that's different than we have today, and how do we then how do we then uh, write that, develop it, and then communicate it to people, and then focus and organize people to go forward. That's the, really the leader's role. And most of the time, believe it or not, it doesn't start with the CEO or the boss. It starts with somebody like Debbie or Susan uh, back in the day when they were when they when they were junior Jedi, not Jedi like they are today, but junior Jedi. And they would say, uh, you know what, boss, we can't get there from here. We're going to have to go. We're going to have to do something else here. Uh, and so it's it's somebody in the organization who recognizes that, who brings it up to senior leadership and uses usually uses their own credibility and their own influence on the senior people in the organization to actually at least listen to somebody to talk about how to get out of this mess. Now, Bill or Steve, can you both share one example where your client found success using the five-step transformation process that you shared earlier in the episode? Steve, why don't you talk about that and, and your experience with Lord? Yeah, um, Lord Corporation uh, is a diversified manufacturing company based in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, they had been, uh, they'd gone a couple of years without any growth. And, and the, the board, they were privately, they're privately held, so they weren't facing the same kind of pressures that a publicly held uh, organization might face. But they hadn't grown for a couple of years, and the board was trying to really decide whether they wanted to make growth a priority or not, because the company was still very highly profitable. And um, they eventually decided, yeah, growth growth is important to us. And uh, working with the CEO, uh, we got uh, engaged. And um, the transformation began much as I described earlier. We did a series of interviews to get clarity about the issues affecting growth. We we then developed a vision uh, of the of the future. Uh, based on that vision, teams were formed to actually begin to execute it. There was about 75 people in all that were involved in this process uh, as we went forward. And then eventually it spread across the company. And the results in it were, uh, we had originally written, this is sort of an interesting side note to this whole process. We'd originally written the vision as if it were five years in the future. And then we got a call from the CEO just a few days before we were going to share the vision across his organization. And he said, I think we can um, do this in three years. What do you guys think? And Bill and I uh, kind of scratched our heads a bit and said, boy, that's really aggressive. But yeah, let's uh, you know, appreciate this enthusiasm and this kind of support from the CEO. Let's, let's make it a three-year vision. So we, we changed the date by two years, made it a three-year vision. And shared it with the group and they agreed, yeah, we can do this. We think we can do this in three years. And then two years later, so just in two years of a, what was originally a five-year vision, we had achieved all the objectives in the vision that we had described, including um, growing the company by uh, 20% and 70% increase in profitability. And then the company became so, had such a great pipeline of, of future products and development opportunities that um, they begin to get calls and interests to actually sell the company. They end up selling the company for a multiple for 18 times their EBITDA, which was basically without precedent. Um, so incredibly successful uh, a story of, of following this uh, process. And I think some of the keys to that, when I sort of reflect back on it, were very strong 
very strong, very senior management belief and approach and support throughout the entire process. And when I say that, and this is important, I think, for leaders to understand, that's just a sort of standing by the sidelines and clapping as things are going well. This was active engagement in the meetings, the discussions, giving their perspectives, listening to the perspectives of others. And uh, from that, you know, putting together this, this really, truly collective view of where we want to be in uh, the future. And that was what was so powerful about it. And then supporting, actively supporting each of the implementation steps uh, that followed. Bill, would you, uh, would you add something to that? Yeah, the, uh, I, I guess I'd like to address for a minute the reason that it works. Uh, there's really good psychology. Uh, I think reason that it works is they're good science minded and there's really good psychology. Um, the reason we're in transformation today as in the world, as uh, Susan said, is when people lose their connection to something larger than themselves, whether it's their country or their faith or their um, their belief uh, in uh, the organization, they will break down into tribes of uh, and break down into groups that are like themselves, and they get inclusive of their own members, saying, "Hey, I know I'm I'm part of this group," exclusive of others, meaning I know you're not, and paranoid about what the other people are doing. So it, it, that happens in companies, happens in organizations, uh, and it happens in society, as we can see today. Um, unfortunately, it happens really. Uh, and, and with uh, all the news that we have, outlets we have now, you can see it played out every day uh, on uh, uh, on television. So when you define, when you know, when you feel like you're in trouble, and you uh, um, define a future that's a lot better, you uh, it's developed, it's written, and it really makes sense. And you can write it too far out. You can develop it so it's too far out. So it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's fan science fiction. Uh, I don't believe it. But if it's just beyond what we call the wall, just on this side of what we call the wall of disbelief, where yeah, that's possible. Here, here's the ticket. But there's no way we can do that without the way we work it today. Then you got them. Bang. Because that's where the that that's where the vision is that's going to get them to uh, to change, and so um, the leadership role in that I think is to uh, when is when you recognize that as as uh, exactly what Steve was saying, but the the senior leader might recognize it, but like in the example that that. Uh, Steve was given with Lord uh, when we got in there, they were profitable for years and they'd been a profitable company. And so a lot of the senior uh, folks in the company and the people that reported to them didn't really think they needed to do much and didn't really like doing anything with anybody from the outside. And so um, the first question, and they, but they hadn't grown, see, but they were profitable, but they hadn't grown. So the first question we, that we asked them was what happens when, when a company stops growing. And so long silence, this was an executive team, long silence, nobody said anything. And then one of the most influential folks there said, uh, what, what happens when a company stops growing? It dies. So that was the, uh, that was the realization at that point was they were on a path towards death. 
And uh, and fortunately, one of the most influential people in the group said it. And everybody else kind of goes, yeah, 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 that, that was true. So you recognize, you recognize that. And so the psychology of this is that you recognize that you can't keep doing it the way you're doing it. And you have to go on for this future that's better. Once you define that future, that allows the second piece that's really important. And that's people can act selflessly. Leaders can act selflessly because there's a cause larger than themselves. The most, the most helpful part of leadership, I think, in organizations, women are, are particularly good at this if, if, they are, if they're given a chance to do it. And that's the three, the three uh, characteristics of wisdom and strength and grace, all three at the same time. And when when they um, when you have a vision like that, you can then begin to act uh, with wisdom, strength, and grace, and you can uh, act selflessly in your own organization to lift the rest of it up, and to uh, so that they can be successful at it. When people see the leader doing that, they'll do it too, and pretty soon you got. People from all parts of the organization helping other par- people from parts of the, other parts of the organization because it's all part of the same. It's all part of the whole. You lose that tribalism, and the tribe becomes us, and uh, the tribe becomes becomes this group. The race thing goes away mostly. The gender thing goes away mostly, and you have a, a and you're, you're all working at the same thing, and that's what's so fun about it. And when it's gone, you really miss it, and when you don't have it anymore. So uh, uh, that I think is the is the leadership part, but it's backed up by some really good psychology that allows you to do that. And then as it rolls down, uh, that continues to happen at every level uh, through the organization. Bill, I wanted to jump in here real quick and say the description you just gave was wonderful because it uh, puts the science to culture change. Right. I experienced a culture change when going through that transformation, but I couldn't have told you exactly how or why it happened. But I experienced it in going through different transformations. And and it was that feeling, that feeling of leaders acting selflessly and all of us being in it together. And so that changed the culture as we were going through it. Well, thank you, Debbie. The strongest form of leadership is influence. It's not authoritarian or I'll fire you if you don't. It's I, I want to be like you because you're because you're so cool, you know, because because you you are that leader. I want to be a leader like you because you're like that. And this allows people to, to act that way and other people to see it and follow them that way. It, real short story. We had we invited we had a, a group that we had been working with for a long time up in Oregon. And we invited an aerospace company to come down and see them. And we had one of the teams in manufacturing provide the uh, to do a presentation about what they had done. And the, the topic came around and they had been very, very successful. Topic came around to overtime. And uh, he's and he, uh, and the woman that was given this presentation said, uh, you know, said the, the leader from the aerospace company said, well, what about overtime? You guys have you, 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 have, you guys are. Got overtime, right? On, you know, on Friday you're working for Saturday, right? Meaning you're trying to get overtime, you know, manage your work so you have overtime. She said, "Oh no, we don't do that. Not anymore, anyway, because overtime costs us money." So 
He said, overtime costs you money? No, overtime doesn't cost you money. Overtime costs the company money. And she, about four times that exchange went by. And she said, then she said to this guy who was a senior vice president in this big aerospace company, says, uh, she says, honey, are you stupid or something? Uh, the uh, overtime costs us money. The company, it costs our company money. And that's us. So he comes out of there going, I don't have anybody in my organization that talks like that. I don't have anybody in my company that talks like that. I want people to talk like that. That's that's nothing else we said made any difference after she said that. Uh, uh, that piece. And that's how you want people to feel, right? They've given it up so much that the it's better for the company that they that the company is doing well because they ended up end up doing better going forward than their individual overtime. That's about as good as it gets. Thank you for sharing these great stories that I know will benefit our listeners tuning in today. Debbie and Susan, did you have any other questions you would like to ask Steve and Bill about transformation? I have one, actually. And Steve, this came out of something you said earlier when you were describing the process. And you described this vision, not a vision statement, but many words, detailed vision at some finite point in the future. Um, who participates in that process in your transformations? It's um, typically driven by the, and, well, let me use the specific example of Lord Corporation because it was very effective there. We, um, we had something like uh, 75 people interviewed uh, in the earliest stages of that effort. And that inter- those interviews um, basically were a cross-section of the entire organization. So they included included the executive team, but they also included people from manufacturing, people from engineering, people from all the key disciplines, the commercial excellence sort of discipline that they had at the time. And um, so we got this kind of collective view of what the what the organization was. And based on that, we put together uh, an initial draft of the vision. And the vision had different sort of key categories that we were looking at, things like uh, commercial capability that the organization needed, operational capability, uh, engineering and marketing connection. Uh, and so it's basically broken down in these areas and actually described, as I said earlier, there were descriptions in the vision about how the teams would be operating in the future. Um, there were descriptions about how this whole concept of high performance teams might be utilized in the organization, as well as some very specific things like around how engineering would change and how they would have more application engineers being involved and connected with sales, the sales organization. So it's this very sort of complete uh, picture. That was then refined by um, the, basically the top 50 people in the company. So they got a draft of this that kind of was this collective view of the whole organization. And then the top 50 people in the company got the final editing rights, if you will, to, to be able to, uh, uh, change it, and then and then the the executive team did a final review uh, of it. But by that point, we had gotten all this energy focused on this this vision. Thank you. I love that you described that about the energy and the focus. Yeah, the magic in there is when people in the organization can see something that they said comes out in it. There's the, there, there was a key or something that in the the group that they were in when it was a group interview, something that they talked about in the group now then comes out in that. And then they go, they go wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's funny, Debbie, Debbie, that you asked that question about vision because 
uh, that's where my head was going too. And I'm wondering if you guys have seen, um, can an organization within a bigger company drive a transformation? So say like the finance team, if they have a finance transformation because they have to change, but the overall company, you know, is, is, has their original vision mission. Um, but when one, one organization starts to see that we have to do something different, you know, does it, is that possible? Is that possible then to turn the whole ship? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we um, the, the answer, the short answer is yes. I mean, it is possible. And sometimes that is the best strategy in a really large organization is actually to identify an area that needs to go through some change. And we call this the island to nation strategy of change, where we, we focus on this one small island and they do things differently. And then they begin to influence the rest of the organization in that positive direction. One of the things um, from a leadership perspective that becomes very important in such a strategy is that the leader has to protect that organization from the influences of the rest of the corporation. Um, and we, we even have a term for that, the, the you know, why, the immune response kind of reaction. You're sort of this, this deviant. This is a bad time with COVID going on to kind of uh, describe this, I suppose. But you've got this bacteria, you know, this, this problem, this, this virus in the organization that's operating outside the rules and regulations of the rest of the organization. And the immune response for the corporate immune response is going to be to try to kill it. And so you have to have a leader that's willing to protect that while it sort of incubates and develops. And then once it begins to demonstrate superior improvement and people want to come to that organization to see how you did it, then you begin to, you know, really open it up. There is a period of time where you sort of have to protect it because there will be this tendency uh, from outsiders to uh, not understand it and want to want to change until they figure out it's a good virus instead of a bad right <laughs> right so we find out this is the positive virus right yeah we, yeah now we when we started we couldn't call it this but now now we call it a change in the dna you know but uh but uh, back then back then we, we couldn't say that most of the time we people thought of us as communists back in those days <laughs> communism was still a thing back then so bill just a quick follow-up um have you stayed in touch with the lady in Florida who started the Women's Hockey League? And, and has that story helped yes, others yes, be willing to go through a transformation effort? Yeah, she's, uh, she, went out, she works for AT&T uh, now and uh, goes around the world doing transformational kind of stuff in the group of part of AT&T that she's in. And uh, yeah, it uh, it has the, the league is still going. Uh, she lives in uh, in uh, Chicago, I think now. So she's not uh, not part of the she doesn't, she doesn't go down there to play anymore. But uh, but yeah, it it uh, is still going, and that story has helped and uh, has helped a lot of folks uh, do that. Well, thank you all for taking the time to share your stories. But before we close for today's episode, let's go around the room, or in this case, around the Zoom and share what lessons you have learned from your transformation experiences that have made you a better leader. Susan, would you like to start us off? Well, I'm really enjoying this conversation and the idea of a vision document 
more than a vision statement. It's intriguing to me. And I think it sounds like a, 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 a almost a fun assignment. And Debbie, we are doing our strategic planning just next week. And I'm hoping we have a vision document rather than a statement. We can apply these lessons immediately, Susan. Yes. <laughs> Debbie, what about you? What is a lesson that you've learned from your transformation experience that made you a better leader? Um, in addition to what I already shared in my initial story, I would say one thing I didn't share in there is empowerment. So Steve touched on it a bit when he said, when you get the energy going, and he, and he talked about Steve Jobs and not envisioning that there would be that many apps on the iPhone when they come up with it. And it just grows because people have the energy and the excitement. But a wise guru who might be on this Zoom call once told me that empowerment means within boundaries. It doesn't mean just go do whatever you want to do. And those boundaries are... If everybody's aligned and going the same direction, then go do good things. You're empowered to go do good things in that same direction. And we will not, just like Steve Jobs, be able to come up with in our brains all the possibilities that could come from that. But when you empower a bunch of people and they're energized and motivated and all headed the same direction, miracles can happen. Bill, what about you? What would you say has made you a better leader? Uh, working with folks like Susan and uh, Debbie uh, over the years has I learned have learned more from the people that we worked with than I ever brought to them in terms of what's possible in organizations and how uh, and how things um, and what can be done. I started out life as did Steve inside an organization as an internal. Uh, as an internal operator, if you will, or consultant inside uh, the what was then an H, uh, human resources organization. We were part of the, an organization development group inside of that. And um, we started out there as they did, uh, I think, and uh, what's possible inside there. Uh, and so the leaders that I've met in, the, in doing this have made me much better uh, all the way along, especially these two. And Steve, last of all, what would you say has made you a better leader based on your transformation experiences? You know, one of the, one of the things that um, happens in a transformation, and I started this actually with a definition earlier, is this idea that there's a cultural component, a cultural change component to it. And um, that is so easy to lose sight of. But when you're talking about transformation, you're actually changing the cultural fabric of the organization. and I think the most important lesson for leadership is, is that people watch you, they observe you, they see what you do, and you impact the culture of your organization every day. And so if you don't like the culture of your organization, the first place to begin is to look in the mirror at yourself and really try to be the change you want to see in your organization. I think that's one of the most important lessons that I've learned through the years around leadership. That's wisdom for 450 BC. <laughs> it's still true today. Still true today. Still true. Yeah. Well, thank you all for taking the time to share your stories and inspirational ideas with us today. Please tune in on Women Wednesdays for our upcoming episodes. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for joining me today on the Women in Leadership podcast series. If you loved our podcast, we encourage you to sign up for the Seasons Leadership Coaching Program, a year-long leadership program for women designed to support your growth and success as a professional. The program was created to help motivate female leaders and further their self-awareness to live into their potential while making a difference. For more information or to register yourself for Seasons Leadership, visit their website at seasonsleadership.com and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn to stay connected. See you next time.